So there's a game I used to like to play, still do. Um, when you get into nice social gatherings with your friends and you, you, know, you get to know each other on a deeper level, you might be playing with friends you just met or friends you've known for a while, but it's called Two Truths and a Lie. You say three things about yourself, two of which are true, one of which is a lie. Uh, and so I think by now, it's been a year that I've been here. Well, it's been 11 months, 11 and a half months that I've been here. So I think you can tell pretty easily when I'm lying or not. I mean, I'm most of the time truthful, but let's see if you can pick out which one of these things about me is a lie. It will, all of these happened yesterday, or two of them happened yesterday, but you have to pick out the one that's not true. Yesterday, I ran two miles. Yesterday, I ate an entire cheese pizza by myself. Yesterday, I jumped out of a plane. Now, all three of them sound plausible, don't they? You're like, yeah, you're a little crazy, so we don't know. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not going to make you actually socially interact with me. So, But I will say that what if I gave you further details about some of them, okay? What if I told you, you know, yesterday I ran two miles. It was, much, it was part of a much bigger workout in which we did a lot of weightlifting and running, and it was terrible, and it hurt all over, but I was glad I did it. Yeah, that sounds a little more plausible. Yesterday I ate an entire cheese pizza. Well, most of you know, if you know anything about me, that I've been on a severe nutrition plan since about January, and I will not eat a cheese pizza by myself. Most of my meals, out of the 42 meals I have a week, most of them are chicken, rice, and vegetables. So that one's probably not it. What if I told you yesterday I left the rectory at about 11 o'clock, drove to Suffolk, went to a place called Skydive Suffolk, a great Catholic-owned business, and I got to, into a plane, strapped to a guy who was strapped to my back, actually, and we ascended to 13,500 13 feet, and then when he said, one, two, three, we jumped out of the plane and fell towards the earth at the speed of gravity. That one sounds pretty plausible, doesn't it? Because I've given you enough detail that either I'm really good at lying, or like, yeah, there was enough detail to fill in all of the questions that I had, Father Dan. Like, why would you do that? Well, I didn't answer that. But anyway, I've given you enough detail to where it sounds like it's very plausible. I've taken the first statement I said, yesterday I jumped out of a plane. All right, we don't know if you're lying or not. And then I give you enough detail to fill it in. I went even further into that to describe it to you, to let you know by the detail that I'm giving you, by the extra words that I'm using, that that is in fact what I really did. Yesterday I went skydiving for the second time. It was amazing. I loved it. But the words that I used to explain what I did let you know that what, I'm, what I did was true, right? Like I, I expounded on it. And that shows you that, yes, there's a level of truth there. Jesus tells those listening to him today in the gospel that his flesh is the bread of life that must be eaten. Most people who are listening to him trust him and understand that he is being truthful. But they may not understand it fully, but they know that he is telling the truth. Christ's hearers understand perfectly well what he means, exactly what he says, that he means exactly what he says. But they cannot believe that what he says could be true. If they understood him in a metaphorical, figurative, or symbolic sense, then there would be no reason for them to be surprised, and there would be nothing to cause an argument about. But later, Jesus goes on and uses extra word. He reaffirms what he has says, what he said, and he doubles down on it. He doesn't just say you have to eat his flesh. He says you must gnaw or chew on it. 
He says, you must consume my flesh. He makes it explicitly clear what he means to them. My flesh is true food, and my blood, true drink. Like, how metal is that? I don't think there's anything more hardcore than someone telling you, like, you gotta eat my blood, or eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's a very hard statement to hear in any age. And then when you've listened to Christ for so long, you've heard what he said, and you know it's true, all of the things he said up until this point, how much were their hearts like, Ugh, what just happened here? Jesus was really cool. Now he's talking about eating him. I don't know what's going on. That's a really hard statement. So understandably, they were distressed because, again, the things he is saying is true. They are true. And if they weren't true, they would have been like, oh, that Jesus, he's always saying crazy things like I must be crucified and raised on the third day. Such a joker. <laughs> but he stresses very forcefully that it is necessary to receive him in the Blessed Eucharist in order to share in the divine life and to develop the life of grace received in baptism. We receive Jesus Christ in Holy Communion to nourish our souls and to give us an increase of grace and the gift of eternal life. Jesus clearly states that his body and blood are the pledge of eternal life and a guarantee of the resurrection of the body. St. Thomas Aquinas said, The word gives life to our souls, but the word made flesh nourishes our bodies. In this sacrament is contained the word not only in his divinity, but also in his humanity. Therefore, it is the cause not only of the glorification of our souls, but also of that of our bodies. In the gospel, Jesus makes it very clear to those he is teaching he means to leave his body for us to consume and his blood for us to drink. There is no room for saying that Jesus was speaking only metaphorically or symbolically, which would mean that communion was only a metaphor and not really eating or drinking the body or blood of Christ. But why should Jesus so ardently desire to leave us the Eucharist? It is because love always tends toward union with the Beloved. True friends wish to be united in such a manner as to become only one. The love of God for us being immense has destined us to possess him not only in heaven, but also here below, by the most intimate union under the appearance of bread in the Eucharist. Jesus Christ wishes in this way to be entirely ours and perfectly united with us. St. Francis de Sales tells us, The Savior has instituted this most august sacrament of the Eucharist, which truly contains his flesh and blood, so that he who eats this bread may live forever. Whosoever, therefore, makes use of it often, with devotion, so strengthens the health and life of his soul, that it is almost impossible for him to be poisoned by any kind of evil affection." Christians who are damned will be unable to make any reply when the just judge shows them how much they are to blame for dying spiritually, since it is so easy for them to maintain themselves in life and in health by eating his body, which he left them for this purpose. Unhappy souls, he will say to them, why did you die, seeing that you had at your command the fruit of and food of life. 
So once again, we are here to celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, the day that we celebrate the Eucharist in a special way. There are so many reasons to be thankful to the Lord, but probably the biggest reason that all of us have in common to be thankful to the Lord is His true presence, His flesh and His blood, in such a simple and easy way. So I have just one question for us this morning. Did the time of quarantine and suspended Mass foster a deep desire and love for the Eucharist, or did we barely even miss it? Did we barely even miss that we weren't in church? Did we barely even care that we hadn't been able to receive the Eucharist in a few months? What we experienced during suspended Mass time will inform us how we view and believe in the Eucharist. If we did not find ourselves hungry for our daily bread, then I would say our conviction in the real presence of the Eucharist is quite weak. But if we found ourselves longing to return, longing to be reunited in the sacramental way with the beloved Savior, to be physically joined to the body of Christ, then I would say we never have to question our belief in the Eucharist. So if we found ourselves not caring, we shouldn't lose hope. Masses have resumed and now we can come back to the Lord's table and ask him to foster in us and increase in us a love and belief in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And if we found ourselves in hopeful longing to receive the Eucharist again, then we can ardently pray that we may never have to endure another period where the sacraments are not physically present to us. This is the Feast of Corpus Christi. When we receive the Eucharist today, may we just spend some time telling Jesus how much we love him and how thankful we are for the Eucharist and how he is always present with us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs>